Hallelujah. Thank you. Good morning. Let's stand to our feet and let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor that you are due in this house. Father, we thank you that there is no other like you and uh, that you are above all else. Father, as we step out of ourselves and into you today, I thank you that you begin to think through our minds, see through our eyes, speak through our lips, and even touch through our hands. Father, we're trusting that the anointing in this ministry be released to every hearer in this place. And Father, we're careful to give you the praise for it in the majesty of Jesus' name. If you have expectations, say a big amen. Turn and tell somebody you're in the right place today. Are you in the right place? We are in the right place. I believe it this morning. Uh, most of you know me already. Uh, Micaiah Ministries, been traveling all over the United States, Canada, Mexico, Costa Rica, Russia, Norway, Burma, Malaysia, Finland, Israel, Jordan, China, Egypt, Japan. And I tell people every week, you can tell I practice that a time or two. We've been doing it for 40 years now this year. Hallelujah. And so that's exciting, especially when people told us 40 years ago that we weren't going to make it. They said, you don't sing good, you don't preach good, you don't do anything good, basically, is what they told us. And uh, here it is, 40 years later, and we're still out here doing what God has called us to do. And so we appreciate the opportunity to be here with you this morning. We're excited that you're starting on a new adventure, a new journey here at Wellspring. And, uh, you know, the multiple campus is an exciting thing. And, uh, and so we're going to go up to the, to the next service, uh, here in a few minutes as well and join the people up there in Evansville. So we're excited about what God is doing in and through the ministry here at Wellspring, and we're glad to be a part of it. And and I also feel like family. I tell you what, I always look forward to coming. And uh, we were just up in Vincennes having dinner with the pastor uh, up there last evening, and we were telling her that it's like family being here. And, uh, and so... Uh, that's why we've gotten opportunities that other people don't get sometimes during this whole COVID thing that's going on, and we won't even get into that. But uh, nonetheless, you know, a lot of places, uh, they've told us we, the only ones that they've had in as speakers during the whole COVID crisis is Micaiah Ministries. They said, because you're family. Hallelujah. It's nice to be family. Glory to God. All right, let me give you a quick update on what's going on over in Russia. I know some of you are curious uh, somebody asked, when are you going back? And the short answer is, I don't know. Uh, we do a work over there for youth in crisis, but right now, because of the whole COVID crisis thing, uh, then uh, it's been difficult to get back. It'll be two years in January since we've been there, and uh, uh, they've been under lockdown, and then things lighten up a little bit. Right now, uh, they are not under a total lockdown, but they're under a crackdown, I'll put it that way. Uh, because uh, the COVID is on the rise over there. They're experiencing more deaths and so on. And uh, and so our staff are telling us that there are a lot of places that you can't even go to. Uh, matter of fact, mostly you can go get your groceries uh, in some areas, and that's about it. Um, uh, if unless you have the vaccination, then they're not letting you into restaurants and different things like that. So it's a crackdown. And uh, so we're not certain whether we'll get to go back at Christmas or not. But, you know, the good news is our staff are doing great without us. As a matter of fact, uh, we've got an increase of young people at Restoration House. And so we're excited about that. Uh, it has pushed our staff 
to do more than what they thought they could do. Uh, and we've been training them, teaching them, and uh, and we've been really trying to encourage them. Really, you can do more than you think you can do. And now because, you know, Dad and Uncle Todd aren't there, they've discovered that they can do more than they thought they could do. And uh, so we were just Skyping with them just the other day. And uh, hearing all kinds of good reports, we see all kinds of pictures of how things are, uh, you know, how that they, there's new residents. As a matter of fact, we've got new residents there because uh, of a direct link to our Christmas parties, New Year's parties, which is coming up here in just a few weeks. Uh, and we've been doing those for years now. And then also our youth camps. As a matter of fact, Olya wrote uh, in an upcoming newsletter that'll be released here in probably in about a, two months. Uh, she wrote about how that uh, she comes in contact with some of these kids and uh, they're a little bit offish towards her. They don't know her. And then as soon as she says Kent and Todd and talks about our youth camps, they say, I know them. I know Kent. I know Todd. And so then they become an instant friend of Olya's as well. And uh, and so these camps and these parties that you've been involved with through the years as you've given financially into the ministry, they really are making a difference. As a matter of fact, uh, Sasha is at our house now. Uh, he's a young man that uh, was at one of our youth camps. Uh, uh, Kirio is also uh, at the house. The Keaton is at the house. A number of these new residents uh, as a direct link to the camp. Matter of fact, let me talk about Sasha for just a minute because I had an incident that happened to me yesterday over in Vincennes. Um, I was walking up the street. We went a little early just to do some uh, Christmas shopping uh, before we met the pastor. And uh, as I was walking up the street, I noticed this man coming in my direction. And he was somebody who was a little bit different. Okay, you know the type of people that I'm talking about. And I saw that others were crossing over onto the other side of the street to avoid connecting with this man. And so I made up my mind, I'm not crossing the street. I'm going to connect with this man. And, uh, you know, as I approached him, he kind of ducked into a storefront area there, trying to avoid me as much as others were trying to avoid him. And uh, when I got close to him, he looked at me and he said, it's cold. He said, with all this wind, it's cold today. I said, it sure is, isn't it? I said, especially when you're not standing in the sunshine, it's cold. He said, if it wasn't for the wind, it wouldn't be so bad. I said, I know. I said, you have a great day. And he said, you too. He didn't ask me for anything. Now, people will point to this man, and they'll say, why does he act the way that he acts? Why does he look the way that he looks? You've heard me talk about it before. Sasha's one of those boys that came to our house, and he's a little bit different. And people would say, well, why does he act the way that he acts? Well, whenever he was just about four years old, his mom and dad were both drunks. Dad abandoned the family. And mom, for whatever reason, the state of mind she was in that particular day, she burnt down the family apartment. Now, she had the wherewithal to shove her two kids into the oven so that they wouldn't get consumed in the fire. But Sasha was looking out of the glass window and saw everything that took place. 
that day. So you wonder, why does he act the way that he acts? Well, you know, I've told you this before. If you peel away the layers of people's lives like the layers of an onion, you'll find out why people act the way they act. They're stuck in a wounded place. Sasha's been stuck in that four-year-old wounded place that he experienced so many years ago. But thanks to the work at Restoration House, he's getting unstuck. He's finding a way to move on in life. And that's all these kids. As a matter of fact, Christina, that you're going to see here, if you put on that video, Connie, Christina is our newest staff member, and she's been a resident at Restoration House, and she got unstuck. And now you can hear her testimony. Go ahead. Well, so we have to raise about an extra $15,000 every time this year. I mean, uh, at this time of the year, every year. And uh, it's interesting because... Now it's even more because of the fact that um, uh, the dollar versus the ruble isn't as valuable as it was a year ago. As a matter of fact, we pay about uh, 350 to $400 more in salaries uh, this year than we did a year ago because of the loss of the value of the dollar. Uh, but I wanted to read you this from Christina, um, be, just because I asked her, I said, so why are the holidays important? And then I'm going to get into my message. But she said, uh, my name's Christina. I want to tell you about the importance of the Christmas holidays in Restoration House and my attitude towards them. The first time I visited the house was during these holidays. And for a long time after that, I stayed in this atmosphere of a fairy tale. Uh, Olga, tell, uh, Olya tells us that, uh, the only time that she's ever seen anything like at our house is on television and in the movies. And uh, these kids, they've never experienced anything like it. They come to our house, it's the first time they've ever eaten turkey in their lives. And, uh, you know, we're complaining because the price of turkeys are higher this year, but they've never had turkeys in their life. And uh, and so uh, they, they do look at it kind of like a fairy tale. She said, we're taught that the miracles happen only in a fairy tale, but I was convinced of the opposite when she came to our house. She said, the whole house is filled with kindness and love. All people are so open and different. There was a beautiful Christmas tree, just amazing, and under it were lots of gifts, and I could not even imagine that many of them were for me. How can they give me so many gifts, and how did I deserve them? I didn't understand why this was happening, why they treat me like that. There was a revolution in my head. I realized that fun can exist without alcohol. That was a real breakthrough because uh, basically it's an 11-day drunk over in Russia during the New Year's holiday. Uh, they just grew up uh, seeing everybody drink and get drunk, and that's what they thought that they needed to do. But when they come to our house, they find out they can have fun without alcohol. Alcohol was not needed. We danced, played games, talked, sang songs while playing guitar, and it was a lot of fun. During the holidays, I visited places that I had not been before, ate food that I had never even tasted before. I saw a different life. I realized that you can live differently. I saw adults who showed me care and love. I saw children open up and happy. When I returned to my college, I returned to the reality. But I had this memory inside of me that I could live differently. Hallelujah. And then Sergey wrote this to us. He said, we could have never become successful in this work on our own. That's Sergey, one of the directors of our ministry. He said, even though we've not met each of you personally, we know that there are many of us that are united. And that's why we're strong. Of course, 
We would like to thank those of you who are continually praying, praying for our kids and our ministry, who are helping us financially. Volunteers are investing their time. And in reality, any one of you can become a part of us by just making a decision in your heart. Once again, we are grateful. So we are grateful. Father, we thank you for those that give into this ministry, that help to make it possible to do the work that we do with the youths in crisis over there in Russia. Father, I thank you for this congregation, and we've already expressed how much it feels like family when we come here. And so, Father, we're thankful for each one of them that's so into this ministry. And, Father, we're just asking that you would cause blessings to just really overwhelm each person in this house today. Let your blessings of peace and joy, let your blessings of healing and health, let your blessings of provision, let your blessings of wisdom and spiritual growth overwhelm each one. And Father, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles this morning, if you will, over the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want to take a look for a few minutes. Uh, I want to talk about the topic of denial is not delay. That's something that God has just placed in my heart. Uh, denial is not delay. Over in the book of um, uh, Mark 11 and uh, chapter, uh, Mark chapter 11 and verses 23 and 24, he says, therefore I say unto you whatsoever things that you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. We've heard that a lot. Okay, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. The contemporary English translation says, everything you ask for in prayer will be yours if only you have faith. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and him amen, or so be it, under the glory of God by us. And so I got to thinking about this, how that we go to God, we, we hear a message, we hear the preacher talk about faith, and we begin to believe. You know, we hear him talk about healing, and so we, we just reach out and we begin to believe God for healing, and, and yet it seems like sometimes it's prolonged, and, and, uh, and for some, some people, I mean, the reality is, uh, especially in this time that we've seen it where we pray for somebody, and I just got word yesterday of a friend over in Russia that passed uh, because of uh, COVID and uh, the complications of COVID. I just received word that another friend's father uh, down in Texas just passed this week because of the complications of COVID. And so we don't understand these things, and we begin to question God. When God, when, why God, why? And from Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, he said, the Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises, as some people think that he is. And so here it is, we've got this delay time, we've got this, this time where uh, uh, it looks like maybe even our prayers aren't being answered. And so we begin to have these questions. And God began to say to me, delay is not denial. And actually, uh, he rephrased it to me just about a week and a half ago. To wait is not denial. Okay, to wait is not denial. Galatians chapter 6 that I read to you, uh, it, you'll reap in due season if you faint not. So what is due season? Well, due season is a little while. Yeah, in a little while. Or as my granny would say, in a bit. After a while. Uh, you know, by and by. 
After some time, as a matter of fact, uh, Weymouth said it's eventually, especially after a long delay of problems and arguments. So he said, you'll reap if you faint not. He said, continue in your well-doing. Let us not be weary in well-doing. What is well-doing? Well, Weymouth says that well-doing is doing what is right. Doing what you know to do. After you've done all to stand... Stand. Okay. Uh, even if somebody does pass, how many of you know it doesn't change the promises of God? Okay. Now, we're going to get into some of this stuff because I, I want to help us this morning in our walk of faith. As a matter of fact, uh, in this wait time, uh, what are we going to do? And uh, this is the really what I want to talk about, uh, that, that period between I believe and I receive. The preacher says, uh, you know, you can have healing. Okay, so I believe I can have healing. And, and so now there's that wait time between I believe and I receive. So what do we do during the wait time? Well, the first thing that I think that we need to do is we need to be introspective. We need to begin to ask ourselves some questions. And these are the questions I began to ask myself. I wrote these down. Uh, is there any known sin... In my life. Now, people don't like it when I start there because, you know, nobody wants to think I might be the problem. But how many of you know I just might be the problem? And if I am the problem, how many of you know it's easy to take care of that? If we confess, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's as easy as that. I think I've told the story here before, but I'll tell it again. There was a, a gentleman that was going through the mall, and and uh, and uh, he was listening to the mall music. He's all decked out in white. He's got a white hat, white feather, white suit on. You know, he's got gold chains, gold rings, gold necklace. Uh, he's got dark sunglasses along, and, and, and he's listening to the music, and he's just switching or strutting or whatever y'all do around here. I mean, he's just getting with the program. He's not paying attention to what he's doing. He's just going towards the escalator. And whenever he gets towards that escalator, he misses the first step onto the escalator and he tumbles down head over heels to the bottom of the escalator. People are aghast and they watch as this man falls to the bottom, but he lands on his feet. And when he does, it jars his sunglasses off and he reaches out in midair, grabs his sunglasses, puts them right back on and says, well, all right. And he kept on walking to the music. How many of you know he acted like that's the way he wrote escalators? Well, Micah chapter 7 and verse 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise, and when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. So the reality is, if there's a, a delay when I pray, if there's a prolonged period of time for the promises that I'm standing on, I think the first thing I need to do is look at myself, be introspective, and begin to say, hey, did I do something that gets away of the in the way of the promise of God being fulfilled in my life? And if there is, well, then just confess it, get up, move on. Don't let the devil keep tormenting you and keep you down. The only time the devil gets to rejoice over us is when we get knocked down and we won't get back up. Is there any bitterness, unforgiveness, or division or strife? The next thing that I ask myself is, do I trust God? This is really important. Do I trust God? You know, I had to have a conversation with my daughter-in-law a short time back. It's so easy 
uh, even for the directors of our ministry, whenever they have a challenge, just to call, I, I say dad, because that's what a lot of them call me over there. Uh, you know, so it's so easy to call dad and say, dad, can we use the credit card? Dad, can you send us more money for this? Dad, can you? And, and I even looked at, I even had a discussion on Skype with our directors. I said, uh, it's easier for you to trust me, believe me, that I'm going to come through for you, than it is for you to trust God. See, easier to trust who you can see than he who you cannot see. The reality is we need to learn to trust God. Do I trust you, God? No matter what the outcome, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace, they said, uh, it doesn't even matter what you do to us. We're still not going to bow. And they were thrown into that fiery furnace. But then there was the fourth man in the fire. Why? Because those three Hebrew boys, they trusted God. We need to learn to trust God. Next question. What can I learn in the process? Uh, in this wait time, you know, maybe there are some things that we can learn in the process. I've taught it for 40 years, what Satan means for evil in our lives. If we'll turn that situation over to God, how many of you know God will bring something good out of it? What Satan means for evil, God will turn for good. I think that what happens in this delay time is the enemy is using it as a tactic. Now, now listen, I'm talking about if we've gotten out of the way, okay? If the delay is still there, think about the story of Daniel. What, what was really the reality there? Uh, the enemy was using it as a tactic to distract Daniel, to, to, to cause his confidence level in God, in Jehovah, to go down. And the enemy's using that same tactic in the body of Christ today. In this delay time, the devil wants to distract you and cause your confidence level to go down in God. But instead, what we need to do is say, God, I just turn it over to you, and I'm going to have confidence in you. I'm going to trust you. And what can I learn in the process? What things can you show me in the process? Uh, do I have to be in control? Uh, Brother Todd will tell you I'm a control freak. I don't believe I'm a control freak. Uh, people say to us, uh, uh, it's nice that there's two of you so you can share the driving. You know, we just did a, a nine-hour drive to get here just the other day. And so they'll say, oh, it's, it's good that you guys have, you know, the opportunity to share the driving. And I say, oh, no. I say, I do about 98%, 99% of the driving. And Well, Todd, why don't you help him drive? And he said, because he has to be in control. Now, I don't want to believe that. Come on now. But there's probably an element of truth to that. Well, whenever it comes to dealing with God, how many of you know, I need to get out of the way and let God have his way in my life? Next question. If what you're believing for concerns someone else, realize they have a will. Ah, that's why I said we'll get to in a few minutes about dealing with somebody who passes that we've been praying for. you got to remember that they have a will. No matter how much we pray, that individual has a role to play in the outcome of their own situation. 
they have a will. For example, um, we had a close friend who was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, um, we he was a pastor. We went to the last Bible study at his house. And uh, first thing that they did was they said, well, we're going to open up with prayer and we're going to take prayer requests. And somebody said, well, the first thing we need to pray about is Pastor Doug uh, to be healed. And so I looked at them and I said, okay, wait a minute. I said, let me interject something. I said, we need to pray according to how Pastor Doug wants us to pray. Now, yes, praying according to God's word, but his will. What does Pastor Doug want? And I knew this wasn't going to be popular, but I looked at Pastor Doug and I said, Pastor Doug, how would you like us to pray? And he looked at us and he smiled and he said, heaven. Oh, everybody started to cry. I said, you see, I've learned that sometimes you can keep people in a problem area in their own lives. Like, for example, my little granny. Okay, nearest and dearest person to me on the face of the earth. And I got to spend the last two weeks of her life with her. And I would listen to her on the baby monitor. I'd stay up all night long, and I'd listen for her in case she had any needs. And and uh, and so I'd go in, and I'd lift her up so that she could breathe. She was dying of congestive heart failure. And I'd hold her in my arms and and, and just, you know, caress her a little bit. And and uh, and one night I noticed that she was real quiet. She she didn't seem to be restless at all. And I went in and I peeked in and I looked at her and she's laying there with her eyes open. And and I said, well, Granny, I said, I think you, you're sleeping better or resting better tonight. And she said, oh, no. She said, I'm just laying here praying to die. Oh, Granny, don't do that. I said, I'm believing that you're going to be healed. You know, here it is. I've been declaring, thank you. I've been declaring over her. By Jesus' stripes, you are healed. God sent his word healing all those that are oppressed of the enemy. God signed a healing contract with his people more than 2,000 years ago, calling himself Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. So, Father, I thank you that you manifest healing in my granny's body. And, you know, and I would declare over her, I'd look at her and I'd say, you know, granny, you and I are going in the rapture someday together, you know, and don't you leave without me. And, you know, we, we'd go back and forth on all this kind of stuff. And and uh, I, I had prayed her back to health many times before. As a matter of fact, one time she was laying there and she wasn't getting up to go to, to Sunday school. She never missed Sunday school. She wasn't getting up to go to Sunday school. And I said, Granny, what's wrong? And she told me. And I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. And I laid hands on her and I prayed for her. And then uh, a few minutes later, Brother Todd said to her, I'm going to give you some gospels, Granny. And you know what gospels are. That's quoting the word. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you some gospels. And uh, and so he just stood over her and quoted the word to her. And uh, so about uh, 30 minutes later, after I'd gotten ready, I came back into the house and I said to Granny, I said, well, where are you? She said, I'm in my room getting ready for church. I said, well, I thought you weren't going to church today. She said, oh, I called your aunt and told her you cast the devil out of me and I'm all better now. Hallelujah. And uh, so we had this history of uh, being able to get her through these challenges in her life. But this time, it's not happening. Because even though all the relatives told me I was her favorite, and they did, they told me, some of them still mad at me today, they said, Granny, you're her favorite. She loves you more than she loves any of the rest of us. And she'd say, I don't have any favorites. Uh, but here it is during this process. She looked at me one day and I said to her, 
uh, I'd rather be here than any place else in the world. And she said, well, you know, they say you're my favorite. And so she finally admitted I was her favorite. But I found out there's somebody more her favorite than me. See, what threat is death? Come on now. In the life of a believer, do you know that the church missed an opportunity during this whole COVID crisis? When we locked ourselves away, we kept our mouths shut. Instead of getting out there and getting involved in people's lives and telling them, you don't have to fear death. There's a way that you don't have to fear death. And that's through Jesus Christ. It's our opportunity to give people hope. Come on now. So here it is. My granny, she's laying there praying to die. And so I have to stop praying that she lives because I'm going against her will. So sometimes this delayed process that you are getting frustrated about when you're praying for somebody else. See, I have to realize this all the time whenever I'm praying for my kids uh, over in Russia, when I'm praying for our residents over in Russia. They've got a will. I want these good things to happen in their lives, and I know God wants these good things to happen in their lives, but they've got their own will, and I have to realize that. So we were out in California a couple of months back, several months back now, and uh, while we're out there, we are looking for these pine cones. Uh, we had been through uh, California a number of years ago, and uh, it was back when we had the old beat-up trailer and people were calling us transients when God had called us into traveling ministry. And uh, it's, so we stopped along the side of the road, found these pine cones. They're huge pine cones. And so I gathered some up, brought them back to my mother, and then when she moved out of my house, I, I don't know what happened to those pine cones. So I've been looking for these pine cones ever since. And we'd go around out there and we'd ask people, uh, you know, those big, huge pine cones, where do you find these these pine cones? And people would try to tell us. And, you know, we did some Google search and we found a place where we thought they might be in the vicinity of. And so we decided to take a drive uh, earlier this spring. And uh, we go down the road. And as we're going down the road, I keep saying to Brother Todd, uh, and after I just told you I'm a control freak, no doubt, I, I said I'd say to him, You watch the side of the road. I got to watch the road. If we're going to find these pine cones, you have to be the eyes. I can't be the eyes. And uh, he'd see something and he'd take a picture. And then he's sitting there on his phone and he's looking at his picture instead of looking for the pine cones. And I'm getting frustrated with him. And I keep saying, watch the road. Watch the road. And uh, so we stopped at a restaurant they they couldn't tell us where we stopped at a at a lumber yard. They couldn't tell us where, and so we pull off this one area. And I said to to, to God, I said, "Would you please just let me find one of these pine cones?" I said, uh, "I want to surprise Brother Todd because he went off into the woods. It's snow on the ground. My shoes weren't good for being out in the snow." And uh, and I hear him back there kicking, and I said, you know, God, even if you just let one of those pine cones fall out of a tree and hit me on the head, I said, I'd just love to be able to find those pine cones and surprise Brother Todd when he gets back to the car. And so I start walking down the side of the road, and under this tree are all these pine cones. Oh, I got so excited. Now, they're all wet, and they're not really pretty like I was looking for and like I had remembered, but I thought they'll do. And I gathered him up and I put him in the car. And uh, and when Brother Todd got back, I showed him and and he was surprised. And I said, well, see, I, I pray and I listen to the Holy Ghost. Okay. And uh, and so we get in the car, we're driving back towards the hotel. And I said, you know, there was still that one little road 
that I wanted to go down. I said, I still want to go down that road. And uh, Brother Todd, he's still on his phone. And I keep telling him, watch the side of the road. Now, my point being here is we're all the time watching what's around us, noticing the circumstances. Come on now. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say to me, look up. I looked up, and hanging from the tree above me was the biggest pine cones I had ever seen in my life. And I hurried and pulled off the side of the road, and here were all these one. Oh, see, I knew that would get your attention. Even if nothing else I've said this morning, I knew this would get your attention. Look up. How many of you know, if you look up, that's where your help comes from? It's not focusing on the circumstances. In the delay time, it's not getting frustrated because of the delay time and all of the circumstances. It's when you look up. That's when you begin to experience the move of God, the power of God in your life. Just a few more quick things because we got to get out of here and get to the next service. What do you need to do during this wait time? Number one, you need to read truth. I shut off the news. November the 6th, I was done. Come on now. I just said, I've been filling myself with all this frustration and this nonsense, and it's not working for me. Come on now. So what do I need to do? I need to get back to truth. You listen, I was talking to a lady on the phone just this week, and you, you listen to all these reports about things that are going on around the world, and you can get so full of fear, things that are going on across the United States, you can get so full of fear. Why don't you just get into truth, the Word of God? When you find Scripture texts to stand on concerning your situation, and you meditate on those, and you ponder those verses instead of the problem, then you don't give in to the thoughts of the enemy. Come on now. Uh, what you need to do is you need to guard your mind, because what you magnify will be magnified. If you're always focused on the problem, that's what just seems to grow and mount bigger and bigger in your life. Uh, da Daniel was told by the angel, I've come in response to your words. Well, my words should line up with the word of God. Hallelujah. I taught you this last year. There's power of life and death in the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Uh, your words are important. So you need to find truth, and you need to begin to declare truth out of your mouth. It gets into your spirit. It makes a difference. Number two, you need to pray the promises with thanksgiving. Pray the promises with thanksgiving. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, he said that men ought to always pray and not to faint. In other words, don't give up. We need to be constant and persistent in our prayers. There is no need to grow faint and weary to the point that we quit and give up. What Jesus is saying is keep on praying and don't give up. Don't give up, but look up. Number three, <clears throat> we need to ask others to join us in faith, in prayer, and not just anybody. You know, I go to people, and I, I hear it all. I, I've heard it and heard it. You know, will you pray for me? And somebody says, yeah, I'll do that. And as soon as they walk away, you forget because you're in another conversation. 
So what I normally do is I stop right then and, and I say, well, let's pray about that right now. And I take hands with them and I begin to pray. But, you know, if I have a challenge, there are a particular group of people that I know that I can have confidence in that they're going to stop everything that they're doing and they're going to pray for me. And they're going to be consistent in their prayers. Uh, the other day I had an incident where a woman called me and it looked like her husband had COVID and uh, she asked us to pray about it. And so I, I told her I was praying. Well, then they had to take him to the quick care and they diagnosed him with some things. And, and so uh, she told me about that, but then it got worse. And so now she's had to rush him to the emergency room and she's let me know that. And so I said to her, I said, well, I want you to know I'm still standing and believing God with you. And I named her husband by name that by Jesus stripes, he is healed. And I emphasize by Jesus stripes, he is healed. And so I prayed and then I went to bed and at two o'clock in the morning, Holy Spirit woke me up and said, you said you're praying, pray. Those are the kind of people I want in my life, okay, that'll hear Holy Spirit when he says pray. And I knew that it was one of those, you have to pray now. And so I laid there in my bed, and I started to pray. And then I heard Holy Spirit say, and not one of those head prayers. Come on now. going to think this out here. No, not just a think prayer. But voice it out. He said, speak his name. And so I started declaring this man's name out of my mouth in conjunction with the scriptures that I was praying over him. And and then again, a couple hours later, Holy Spirit woke me up and told me to do the same thing. Well, I found out he was waking somebody else up at 4.30 in the morning to have them pray because this was a serious situation in the middle of the night. His wife began to get very concerned because of his breathing. She said, I never feared until just that one particular moment. But you see, Holy Spirit, because she had reached out to people that she could have confidence in to pray, that they really would pray, she knew they were going to get through this. Come on now. So we need to find people who pray. Number four, remind yourself of answered prayers. While you're in the wait time, Remind yourself, if he did it before, he'll do it again. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Has he ever healed you before? Have you ever known anybody that's been healed before? Well, then you just believe God because here it is. God's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And then five, and I'm closing with this. We need to sing. I love a singing church. Yeah, I think we need to be a singing church because what that does is it imparts to being singing people when we're away from the church. And we need to, we need to learn to sing through our service. I had COVID back in January. Oh, I'm telling you what, it was miserable. It was miserable. And uh, I had the high temperature and the fatigue and I lost the smell. And, and, uh, the worst thing though was I had this uh, serious, horrendous headache for two and a half weeks, nonstop, 24 hours. I mean, it was exhausting and it was horrible. And I remember there, laying there, at one point even praying to die. Oh, God, please, just let me die. 
I mean, what threat is death to me? Come on now. I mean, I'm ready for heaven. I'm not suicidal, but God, this is miserable, okay? And and so I, I'm just ready. And all of a sudden, I heard Holy Spirit say, sing. I don't feel like it. I got a headache, and my singing's just going to make it worse. You know, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. And Holy Spirit is saying to me, you preach about the power of worship. How many of you know he manifests himself in the praises of his people? You want to draw Holy Spirit into manifestation in your life? You need to learn to sing. Even if you're miserable, you need to learn to sing. And you sing songs that remind you of God's goodness. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Sing songs that use the word thank you. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. Sing songs that magnify. I know I'm pulling out all these old songs, but I'm an old timer. Hallelujah. Sing songs that magnify. Mighty is our God. To God be the glory. How great thou art. Sing songs filled with promises. I am the God that healeth thee. Some of this new stuff that's nothing but a bunch of fluff and stuff, it has nothing to it. He said, exhort yourselves. Exhort one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. If the song doesn't have anything in it, what good's it doing somebody? Oh, it's entertaining. It's nice. It's pleasant to the ears. But what's the message in it? You are the God that healeth me. I'll tell you what, that one will help you through in those sickness times. Sing songs about the power of God. There's power in the blood. Our God is an awesome God. (laughs) He reigns from heaven above. Sing songs that remind you of God's faithfulness. Let the river flow. I'm healed. I'm whole. And he'll do it again. You know, Shirley Caesar. That's an old timer. Shirley Caesar. Yeah, some of you too young. You don't even know who Shirley Caesar is. YouTube it, all right? Matter of fact, this song. YouTube this song. Uh, She said, you may feel down and feel like God has somehow forgotten that you are faced with circumstances that you can't get through. But right now it seems that there's no way out and you're going under. But God has proven time and time again, he'll take care of you. Yes, he'll do it again, my friend. He'll do it again. If you just take a look at where you are now, And where you have been, hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same now as then. You may not know how, you may not know when, but he'll do it again. Amen? Yes, he'll do it again, my friend. He'll do it again. If you'll just take a look at where you are now and where you have been, well, hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same now as then. You may not know how, you may not know when, But he'll do it again. I think you all like that song. Stand to your feet. Either that or you like seeing me get up here and just do it, all right? Anyway, did you get anything out of this today? Listen, I'll tell you what. We just need to get our focus on him, off the circumstances, on him, 
Just look up. Your redemption comes from on high. That deliverance comes from on high. You're not going to find it anything around here. You find it in him. Amen? Amen. So let's keep our focus on him. Father, we just come to you right now in Jesus' name. Father, we make a choice during our wait time just to stay focused on you, just to believe you, just to build a stronger relationship with you, not allowing the enemy to distract us, throw us off our course. We're not going to be like those who waver in their journey. Instead, Father, we're going to allow you to build something even stronger in us that we can pass on to the next generation. I I love to YouTube some of those old-timers that have gone on and listen to their stories about the faithfulness of God and how deeply that they trusted you through every circumstance and challenge. And what that has imparted into me has caused me to build trust. Father, I want to do that to others. I want to impart to others that they can trust you no matter what circumstance they're going through. Father, I lift up my friends today that are in this place or watching by internet. Father, whatever challenges and circumstances that they're going through, Father, I thank you that you show yourself faithful to them, that you reveal yourself. If it's sickness and disease, we declare over them that by Jesus' stripes they are healed. Father, I thank you that if it's depression and worry and fear and anxiety, that Jesus wore that crown of thorns upon his head where the blood dripped down his brow. And it was for a purpose. I believe that that was to connect us to the fact that you are the healer of the mind. You're the deliverer from fear and worry and depression. Father, I thank you that you are the oil and the wine. You are the healing ointment. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that makes the difference in our lives. Father, for those that are concerned about their finances, Lord, I thank you that your word is so true that if you just give, it'll be given back unto you. If you bring your tithes and offerings in the storehouse, that we'll see that you're God, you open up the windows of heaven and you pour out blessings that are not containable. Father, I thank you that there are those that scatter, yet we increase. There are those that withhold more than they should, and it causes poverty. Father, we're not going to be one of those. We make a choice daily. We're generous people because you're a generous God, and you supply our needs. Thank you for that. Whatever need it is that's represented here today, Father, I know that you are ministering to those individuals right now. And I give you praise for it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen.